When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Use code DNVR to sign up for a new account to get amazing odds boosts every single day. Rudo, AJ, Megan, coming at you live. The Avs are officially in Finland at this point. Uh, haven't had time to really do anything there yet. I guess they practice this today in Finland, you know, which it's it's the middle of the night in Finland now, basically. So that was that was very very early in the day for us, but they're officially there. We figured it was a good time to take a look at some of the positives uh, across the season so far for the Avalanche. Get into the things that they've done right. As it's very easy to fall into the trap of only looking at the negatives and what teams need to improve, which certainly there are plenty of things to talk about there for Colorado, but there are plenty of things that they're doing right as well. So indeed, a very well rested Pavel Francos who couldn't get off the uh <laughs> get off the plane to switch planes. Very amusing. Um I'd let me start by asking you to this. Who has been the Avs' best player so far this season? Is it Val Nichushkin? Uh For me, say, yeah, go ahead. I would say it's Val Nichushkin. Okay. I would have said, I, I, I think it's Nichushkin or Georgiev. Okay. Cool. I... I would probably lean Nichushkin there. Georgiev is very good. I, he's really done a very good job of keeping the abs in games and, and winning games for them. In fact, he has all of the abs wins in goal. So had uh, had that Islanders game stayed three yeah. one. Yeah, probably be going Georgiev right now. But yeah, so uh, let's start with Georgiev just because he's the goalie. Be a little bit of a different conversation you always kind of expect goaltenders to take a little while to adjust to new hockey teams. We haven't really seen that from Georgiev. Is this a comfortability level for him? Is it just a system that works with him? Is it a hot streak? Are we expecting him to be able to maintain the quality save percentage, the quality play that we've seen from him? We know he's been on some highs beating his old team, the Rangers, things like that. Is, is this sustainable? Uh, I think it is, um, and I think one of the reasons why we're cautious with the, with new goaltenders is that the Avs the Avs play a certain way, uh, and and we've seen it take some time for guys to adjust before, and I just think that that's a that's just a natural okay, 
it's going to take them a little while to to understand what they're asking of Colorado's goaltenders and to 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 get down that communication and that comfortable you know the the, the level of comfort with the defenseman and the communication and the systems of where the puck is expected to be going so where you know how Georgiev plays and how he adjusts and how he gets himself uh kind of set up to to uh, to to perform in that system and uh, and then taking to UC Parkle's coaching and you know like there's so much for a goaltender to adjust to uh, when he gets into a new team we always just think of it as like stop the puck right like you just come in and you just but there's so many little details there's so much nuance that a goaltender has to adjust to I think uh, it the early returns from Georgiev would suggest anyway that it's just a it's just a great fit that when the Avs were looking around and they were trying to find okay well we're not going to give Kemper a long term deal um, we're just not we're not going to uh, we're not going to bring him back so we need to find a solution you know they turned to their scouting and said okay who is a guy that would fit, you know, who's got a guy, uh, which, which guy has a skill set that we think would, would be able to make the transition into net for us at a high level. And their answer was obviously Georgiev because they were, they made one of the very first moves on the goaltender market of the entire summer. Um, so clearly he was a preference for them, not just like, a, Hey, we have to do this thing. Because uh, it's the last guy available, kind of when with, was where they were with Kemper, they wanted Georgiev, and I think that the returns certainly suggest that they might have been right about that. I think another reason that I think it's sustainable is one of Georgiev's strengths is how teachable that he is. All of the notes that he's been getting from Parkla since he's arrived here have been ones that he has immediately taken to to address and he also self-evaluates and gives himself notes after every game of little things that he wants to improve upon and that's why I think we've seen him adjust as quickly as he has to these systems and I think it only gets better from here as the team playing in front of him also gets more comfortable because I think that's the other strength of the Avalanche as a whole is they are expected to be a team with a strong defensive mindset uh, that dominates possession and the offensive zone and takes a little bit of pressure off of Georgiev and we haven't quite seen that in its full effect yet and I think once the Avs start gelling in that area it just gets more comfortable for Georgiev. Yeah and we've seen he has a top 10 save percentage in the league right now at 918. Is that an insane save percentage? No but I think it also talks to the high levels of offense we've seen throughout the league so far in the year early on as defenses still haven't really settled in. He's also faced 11th in shots against per game at 34.4, at least for goalies that have played at least half of their team's games. So he is facing a pretty significant workload right now that you would expect to go down and he's still playing quite well. Uh, 66.7 quality start percentage. It's been solid for Georgiev, and I, I guess my question is, do you expect the, an experience of Georgiev like Kemper, where he plays significantly better in games where he's facing fewer shots, 
or do we expect the Varley experience where, you know, sometimes a goalie actually plays a little bit better with a heavier workload? Well, I think heavier workload is rhythm. And so, I mean, we think you call it the Varley experience, but uh, I think that's really just the NHL goalie experience uh, because goalies are more accustomed to facing more shots. And when they get into a game where they're getting bombarded like that, they're into a rhythm, you know, they're into a certain, uh, okay, well, I've I made one save and now here, here comes again. Uh, I think it's, I think it's a lot harder to be the guy on the other end. You know, there was that, that COVID season, Philip Grubauer had sparkling numbers, but his underlying numbers weren't very good because the ab suppression was so good that it, it almost made it a harder job in terms of producing good numbers like that. Um, like he, like Philip Grubauer needed shutouts every game in order to produce yeah. positive expected goals numbers, you know? So it's almost, it's almost a harder job in that way. And that, uh, and, and then the, you know, the mental side of it, we always talk about a goalie gets bored, you know, goal, he spends all game doing nothing. And then, all of a sudden there's three shots on goal in front of him and he's got to be ready for that. You know, he's, he's got to be mentally locked in uh, for that. So that's, you know, I think that that was, uh, that's a thing that Georgiev has not gotten to really, I mean, he's experienced it once, right? Yep. Uh, he had like the one game where there was like 18 shots on goal or whatever. Otherwise the Colorado's defense hasn't been very good. So he's been getting, it's like it's like he's back with the Rangers, so uh, he hasn't gotten to feel that yet. I think too the the simplest way for me to look at it is in that New York Rangers game, the head to head against a goalie like Shesterkin. It's really him facing a heavier workload if it's five v five. If he is seeing that heavier workload because he is having to also defend on the penalty kill, the team is down a man. Um, those are higher danger chances, and that's where I see he struggles just a little bit more. But I, I think if he's being tested in ways throughout the game to keep up rhythm, like AJ was saying, 5v5, I think that benefits a goaltender, generally speaking. But if we are looking outside of 5v5 hockey, I don't see the need to continue testing a goaltender, keeping him busy in that way, because it just challenges him with higher danger chances that are going to be more difficult, and it can be avoided if the team can stay out of the penalty box or PK a little bit better. So maybe try to find a happy medium here where the Avs defense doesn't need to get it sub 20, but sub 30 at least. Yes. Uh, I would say if they don't get to sub 30, man, they've, they're in big trouble. Yeah. They're, they, yeah. Cause the way that they've built their team, the way that they've been, where they've invested their money, you know, they roll out Josh Manson and Eric Johnson, their third pairings basically as expensive as their top pairing is. Yeah. It's actually a little more expensive. So um, they've invested on having a great defense. And so if you're, if they're giving up 30 shots a game, that defense isn't doing its job uh, and you have a, you have a way bigger problem. Uh, I do want to talk about the defense too. I'll talk about Val as well, but first I want to get into the portion of the game that the abs have been best at so far this season. And that's the power play. It has come down to about 40% now, but still, unreal good so far it's the over six in jersey that's yeah if you remove that they're still 50 like, percent basically dominating yeah. 
So it's been unbelievably hot. And yeah, I'm sure you can chalk some of that up to the the offense that has started this season that we've talked about. But are there specific things you two are looking at that are working right now on the Avs PP? The personnel, the chemistry in passing on the power play, at least, has worked to their advantage, like between guys like Miko Rantanen and McKinnon. I think there's some trust that's being built, too, that is allowing them to find one another more easily, especially within the top power play unit. I think that's worked well for them, Val included, in that conversation. Yeah. Uh, For me, I really think we've seen a lot more flexibility out of the abs power play this year obviously kale's not scoring goals very well but you've seen mckinnon hit the one-timer from his side you've seen erod to score a few times from from the bumper area with some very good shots you've seen val and miko kind of find this new rotation where miko sits behind the net and can play out of there or they can rotate where val moves net front and miko plays off the wall right now it does feel like they're able to give teams a significant number of looks that it's hard for them to cover all of. This is the number one thing that stands out for me uh, is that they are not doing it. It's not Makar at the top, you know, uh, getting tips. It's not McKinnon on the, you know, on the, on the half wall. Um, And they've gotten nothing out of Miko Rantanen on the power play as a goal scorer. He's been purely a play. The fact that their power play is what it is. And Miko Rantanen and Kale McCarr aren't scoring goals. Yep. Is a testament to what they've been able, you know, just what they've been able to find, you know, with Val Nachushkin, with Evan Rodriguez. Because you go and you look and the goals, they're just different. You know, it's it's a different goal every time that they score. It's It's not one... It's not it's not one avenue of success. Like you go and you look at uh, Steven Stamkos is off to an insane start scoring power play goals in Tampa Bay this year. <clears throat> and most of them are just him firing away one timers uh, like, he, you know, like he's 25 all over again. Uh, it, that just has it's in, and it's just cut and paste. He's just beating goalies with the abs. What they've been able to do is they've been able to find so many different ways to score uh and and it's not they have not gotten into that uh that kind of that i think it's a bad habit when teams kind of lean into okay well here are the two ways that we score goals so this is all we're gonna do and they spend the entire time just trying to force pucks there the abs haven't really done that it's happened out it's it's been out high it's been the middle of the ice it's been the half wall it's been plays from down low with Miko behind the net. Like Miko Rantanen would be a 50 goal scorer and maybe any other team in the NHL, any other situation where he's so talented that they run everything through him. But in Colorado, because he's the second, third, fourth option at times, he leans so much into the play. He means leans so much into the playmaking. He's literally standing behind the net. He's not even a goal scoring threat. Well, and, and their power and, play is dominating. And and it's funny because he's definitely not the first option for shooter, but a lot of these goals are getting run through him, right? He's the guy passing to Erod in the bumper spot. He's the guy yeah. passing to Val cutting to the middle from behind the goal line. And 
it is it is almost using Nathan McKinnon often as a decoy on the opposite side of the ice because every team marks him up pretty well on the penalty kill. So it, it it's a very good job that the Avs have managed to maintain a threat across away from McKinnon on that power play. It is really impressive, honestly, so far that they've that their success is one at such a level, which won't obviously like it won't continue. You'll have those over six games where it just doesn't go well. Um, but you, for me, I think I, I'm, I'm just impressed with how good it has been, how efficient it's been. Um, I'm, you know, it's been a joy to watch that unit. And special teams are almost always the thing that make you feel like drive you crazy yeah exactly (laughs) just such a frustrating aspect of the sport so consistently got to enjoy this because they're gonna have they're gonna have a stretch where it does not go well and it's gonna be like remember the good old days uh okay uh like the conversation about the power play there uh if you want to start hot like the power play does athletic greens can help you out in the mornings you can jump on it just one scoop of water one scoop of water one scoop into your cup of water even on uh any day every day i highly recommend you take it you know i'm a, i'm a bit of a late riser so you can kind of replace breakfast with it uh if you're in a rush super easy to throw it into your cup uh, it's also got 75 different vitamins and minerals, a bunch of whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, all the good stuff that your body needs. So you can check it out today at athleticgreens.com slash avalanche. A bunch of people use it to help boost their immune system. Athletes use it as part of their daily routines with workouts and things like that. So time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, uh, especially with it being flu and cold season. I've been a little bit under the weather, so, you know. You got to take care of your stuff. Uh, <laughs> be sure to get your athletic greens today at athleticgreens.com slash avalanche. And when you order today, you'll get a one year supply of vitamin D as well as five travel packs with your first purchase. So go and check it out. We're also brought to you by the amazing DraftKings Sportsbook. You can use code DNBR when you sign up with a new account over at DraftKings right now. And you can go bet yourself $5 on any NBA team to win their next game and get $200 in free bets if they do. With the $200 in free bets, feel free to to bet on whatever you want. If you're like us, if you're feeling positive right now, looking at the positives <laughs> of the Avs, go, uh, go bet on the good stuff. If you're feeling negative, hey, no one's going to stop you from betting against the Avs if that's how you feel. Uh, do either at DraftKings Sportsbook. You can also do same-game parlays if you really want to boost your odds. Very simple ones like betting the over and the abs to win or incredibly complicated ones like taking specific goal scores all over the map and getting really, really crazy with the odds. So head on over to DraftKings Sportsbook today. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Other terms, restrictions, or conditions apply. Don't forget to use that DNVR code to see DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Of course, if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. I know the PK has not been very good, but very quickly, the Avs have the second most shorthanded goals in the league with three. Uh, the usual suspects here, right? Logan O'Connor, Andrew Cogliano, those types of guys. Are we are we at least taking that positive out of the PK, or are we at least hoping there's some 
sustainability to the Avs being a little bit of a threat with their aggressive play? I'm struggling with that one because the aggression <laughs> has been some of what has created errors on the PK. For and sure. if Logan O'Connor could find that finishing touch outside of the PK, it would be a different conversation. But if the only place he can find it is shorthanded on the PK, a struggling PK at that, I don't know if that's how I want to accept it. I think I'd rather see that play out a little differently. Okay. Had to yeah, I mean, probe. <laughs> this was the carbon copy of last year. Yeah. PK was brutal. The Avs led the league in shorthanded goals. We tried to feel good about that. The PK got better. They stopped scoring shorthanded goals. I will take a better PK. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. okay. Yeah. Just give me. Just give me. Just just get better. And I do think I do think that it is starting to make uh, some inroads at. at I think it's shown quite a bit of improvement already. All right. Well, something to build off at very least on the PK side. Uh, yeah. So I, I think it's trending in the right direction, but it was also like, it was at like 40% at its worst where you're just like, dude, you're talking about the best power play ever is any power play that touches the ice against the abs at that point. <laughs> it was that bad. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm, I, I think it's trending in the right direction, but also it's not saying a lot. Uh, okay. Let's, let's get into some actual skaters then. Who is the best defenseman on the Avs so far this year? Is it Bowen Byram? No. Is it Kale McCarr? I think so. Okay. So. We we can set the table for both of these guys. Makar has been far from perfect this year. We've seen him make plenty of mistakes. He still has no goals. Despite that, he still has seven assists in nine games. Is still producing at a more than fine clip for a defenseman that isn't the best defenseman in the world. And I think it's pretty clear that there's still significantly more to come from him. Uh, I'll give the floor to you guys on. Uh, he's getting, would, he picked up an eighth assist. Oh, did he get an? Okay, so even better than I thought. Uh, I'll, I'll give the floor to you guys on what it, you guys expect for him to turn the corner, how he manages to do that, but where are you sitting on him? I'm I'm struggling with him at the start of the year with his just the way that he's handling the puck in general. Um, at the end of last year, you know, it was so good. It was, he was so tight with the puck. He was a magician out there just doing crazy things. And he just looks so human right now. And I, it's, it's unfair that a guy with eight points in nine games, we're sitting here like, he sucks. <laughs> yeah. So like better than this. <laughs> when's he going to start playing better? You know, it's, but that's it, that's also like the standard that he's set. We know that he's capable of playing better. We're not dreaming on him. You know, we're not Red Wings fans pretending that Mo Sider is the truth right now. Like, we know that Kale McCarr is the man. We know he's the best defenseman in the NHL. Because he has been over the course of a couple of years. Because the start to his career is something that's historic. You know, it's he set the standard that we're now holding against him. 
So it's not, it's not, you know, this is his fault is what I'm saying. <laughs> he was too good too, too soon. Uh, but it's really like his, the, his play with the puck, I think has left a lot uh, to be designed. And honestly, defensively, he looks kind of like a mess more often than not. Um, he just has not been nearly as good. Um, his physicality has been almost non-existent. That aggression, that 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 sneaky like willingness to just embarrass somebody. Um, it's really he's really just been okay in so many aspects, relative to what we expect from him. Sure. I still think he's among the best right now on the team to include Devon Taves, especially defensively. I have not had much issue with Devon Taves defensively. Um, and we're just used to seeing a lot more offensive production from both of those players. Like with Makari, you know, six of those points are on the power play. And so you'd like to see him find that touch of production outside of it because we know that to be true of him. And there's so much about this start for the Colorado Avalanche that is really similar to their start last year. And we know that McCarr was quietly battling a not serious hand wrist injury. And I can't help but wonder if he just has something that is bothering him at the moment that he's going to battle through the same way that he did at the start of last season. And we'll get to see true form kill McCarr in a couple weeks time. That's my hope. Like I, I haven't even lost hope. I have no reason to have lost hope in Kale McCarr. For whatever reason, his slower start isn't too unfamiliar to me from what I saw last season to give up hope on him. Well, certainly he's about to, in the middle of getting, what, nine of the next 13 days off or something insane. So plenty of time off if, if guys aren't quite 100% to, to maybe get off of their, their injuries a little bit here. I, I am curious. The Avs have three defensemen that are averaging over 20 minutes a night, obviously Makar and Taves, but also Bo and Byram. Are we, are we looking at Byram taking that next step into the top pairing this year? Or is this a guy who's benefiting from a little bit of sheltering? Uh, just based on what he's done so far, he hasn't taken that step yet. Okay. Um, if you start to dig into some of the other numbers, Devon Taves and Kale McCarr far and away, far and away, the best players, uh, the, the, the best, the best pairing, uh, and producing the best results for them. Um, Byram, Byram has had a fine start, but I just, it can be, there's, there's a lot of room for it to get better. Uh, Production-wise, it's been good. It's been encouraging. Uh, but when you get into the, some of the deeper stats, some of the underlying stuff, um, it hasn't happened yet. Uh, it's not to say that it won't. The team itself is off to a slow start, but Colorado's got two defensemen right now that are, you know, their fancy stats look good, and they've got four defensemen that aren't good. And we know okay. that they all have more to give than what they have so far. For so, sure. Um, I would say I would say it's just been a slow start for that group in general. Um, and really, it's like Byram. Byram is very much part of that. All right. I think 
some of the shortcomings of his game right now have been that the lows have appeared very low. Some of the mistakes he, he's made have been very raw mistakes. And what I'd like to see from him is taking a step forward that alleviates some of that distribution from the top pairing. But I still envision Byron being something in the second pairing that is competitive with the amount of time on ice with the first to help alleviate how much Kale McCarr and Devon Taves are being tested every night. For sure. So I don't want to call him an auxiliary piece because I think he's more important than that, but certainly in a position to, he doesn't have to be the guy on the defense this year for sure. Maybe uh, ever, honestly. The, things kind of depend a couple of years down the line, how the Ed's defense shakes out for sure. But he's certainly going to be sitting behind Kale McCarr or shotgun to Kale McCarr for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Um, all right. We beat around the bush enough. Let's get into some of these forwards. Val Nachushkin, Nathan McKinnon, both leading the team with 12 points each. Val, obviously at a higher point per game rate, missing a couple of those games. I don't believe Val's production is anywhere near sustainable. Things like shooting 27% are not going to keep up. But how much of what the Avs lost, Kadri's production, Burkowski's production, can Val reasonably continue to replace this season? Half? More? Uh, I'm afraid to commit to anything, having any kind of opinion on what Val can or can't do anymore. <laughs> Undersell at a consistent yeah, rate on this I guy. Mean, <laughs> I Every time I'm like, oh, I feel like, uh, you know, I feel like this is probably as good as it gets. He turns it up another notch and turns it up another notch. And so I'm, uh, I kind of don't want to be in this business anymore of talking about what Val can and can't do. I mean, if he's got he another just makes notch, me feel stupid all the time. He's gonna start breaking records if he's got another notch. <laughs> so, uh, I hope that happens, but I don't think it's very realistic. Not to take away the point of this show is to talk about the positives, and Val has been, as AJ Only would put positive. it, absolutely nails so far this season. I, I, the confidence and just the way that he's played the game. Like, you get a couple of guys every year that kind of fluke their way to really hot starts. Yeah. Um, and and some of this, you know, tipped pucks and stuff that are going in, like, you know that those are really, like, highly unreliable in terms of uh, consistent scoring. But the, guy, the way that the guy has played the game, he's been special. He's been that kind of dominant. If there was a heart trophy for the first month of the season, he'd have been in consideration for it. Did just get announced as Avs Player of the Month, so that's basically a heart trophy for the month. I, I think it's it's two sides for me. He is a product of his work ethic, and so that's why I think some of this is sustainable for Val. But the other side of it is there's only one puck on the ice, and there are players who have a lot more to find in their game that is going to maybe take away a bit from that. But I think that it's going to be somewhere in between for Val being able to sustain it because of his work ethic. But I'm also hoping for some of these other forwards to take huge steps forward. And that's just going to take a little bit away from it. Not the points total, though. I can still see Val being a contributor in how those plays get made. I 
I think my biggest positive for Val isn't even the production on a team where we've seen the team defense be truly horrible some nights, particularly the forwards when in situations like back checks, it, they sometimes they just look completely lost. We've seen Val hold it down on the defensive side as a forward and really push the abs in the right direction. Take the uh, the overtime the other night where they, they managed to actually get it to a shootout and win the game against the Rangers. Why did the overtime work? Because they took Miko off of that first overtime unit and put Val on it. They didn't make any stupid decisions there because Val was there to back them up. And obviously, you know, everyone's going to talk about the points. Everyone's going to talk about the offense. But sitting behind that is Val holding things together a lot of the time in this top six defensively, especially missing players like Landis Gog, who helped do that for them. <clears throat> yeah, his defensive game hasn't dropped much. Um, if you go and you look at some of the numbers and stuff, it has like a little bit, but it's still very, very good. So it's not anything that you're upset about yeah. um, or bothered by or any of that. It, guy is... Guy's nails. He's been great. I mean, I really don't. It's it's so funny to me that when there are ups and downs, there's a lot more to talk about than when a guy's just been good or bad. And when yep. a guy's just been good, especially because you're like, well, when a guy's been bad, there's lots of things to talk about. Hey, he can improve here and there. What the hell more could you ask for, for Val Nachushkin right now? Honestly, the guy has been so good. I, I just don't I, I don't know how you could ask for anything more from him that he hasn't already been giving. I mean he's been that good. He's the abs the abs it's so weird this position that they're in because the abs feel like they're in trouble. They it feels like their forward core isn't good enough. That it's too it's too thin. It's struggling. Doesn't it doesn't have good enough uh the, the players that were getting bigger roles weren't ready for him. Like, it, it feels bad right now. But you know Val Nachushkin will be back for the Columbus games next or later this week. You know Gabe Landeskog will be back at some point. And those are not two guys, just two guys. Those are two guys who are universally accepted as top 70 players in the NHL. Those are not typical second-line players. Those are not guys that are like, well, you know, well, we're getting back up. I'm sorry to do this, but his name popped up on my Twitter feed, so he's my example. It's not like getting back a Danton Heinen in your lineup where it's just like, <laughs> that's a good player, but that's not a guy that changes the dynamic of your lineup. Gabe Landeskog and Val Nachushkin completely alter the dynamic of Colorado's top six and maybe even top nine because some of those guys that are maybe getting overplayed a little bit uh, and can't handle a role up there. You know, with JT Comfer, Alex Newhook, like those guys are going to be getting pushed down into a third line role. Now, you still have to answer the 2C question. Maybe that ends up being Miko, right? Like that that opportunity, that, that opening is still there. Maybe that's just where they go for a little while. But it's it really has been like, it's 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 a weird feeling that like, it feels so bad right now because you've seen such a stark contrast from top guy production 
and bottom guy production, and there's been almost no middle guy production. Uh, like Evan Rodriguez has like slid and is like now the one middle guy, yeah. and Arturi Lekkinen's actual numbers are middle guy production, but four yeah, of his five points, two games, yeah. four of his six points now because he got an assist the other day, but four of his six points came in the first two games. He's got two points in the rest of those, and so it's like uh, you you're you're still talking about top guy and and bottom guy. There's almost no middle guy right now other than Evan Rodriguez. And I, I, I don't know. It's just a weird like feeling um, to feel as negative about the forward core as I do right now, but also knowing that there is legitimate help along the way. And yeah, when those guys get healthy, who knows who, who else might be injured in that time? Maybe, maybe it's all of them. Maybe it's none of them. Uh, We don't, we don't really know, but even getting a Darren Helm back, you know, right now the fourth line, it, the fourth line isn't for, in my opinion, it's not even so much that the fourth line is bad, it's that it's it's not trusted enough to be played, yeah. and that's creating a massive imbalance in Jared Bednar's usage, yeah. that I think is causing more problems than it's solving, and just a more traditional balance. You know, you cut Evan Rodriguez should never play twenty seven minutes for you. <laughs> Yeah. In a regulation game, like if that's a two overtime game or something, dude, we all know how those how those numbers get. Fine, but in a game that ended in three periods, Evan Rodriguez almost played half of it. That's to me, that's unacceptable. Yeah, I, Jared Bednar's usage is definitely a topic for another day, as we have a lot of time off here. We'll get into that, I'm sure. Um, for today, obviously, we talked about Val. I, I, I want to open up other positives you guys have. You can talk about McKinnon or, or some of the obvious ones, or if there's some specific that you wanted to get into. You good? I mean, Evan Rodriguez, like, I, I really don't want to sell him short that we weren't totally sure what we were going to get there because his career has been such that he's had really hot stretches. He hasn't really been a consistent everyday NHL player for very much of it, even though he's 29, but he's like been in the NHL for years now. Um, Having, having the kind of impact that he has, you know, especially those first couple of games, he looked awful, but I've, I, I mean, you have to feel good about how he's really started to show out in the last week. Um, he really looked, he looked a lot better. I mean, he just did. He looked a lot better. I, but on a on a team where it feels like at times they've certainly been, at least beyond the top line, reluctant to shoot the puck. Evan Rodriguez has no qualms with letting that thing fly. Yeah, and he's got some goals to show for it. So funny how that works out. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I do I do feel good about a guy like LOC's start to the season. I've been a little frustrated with it, but it's more that he's being forced to play up in the lineup. Yeah. And then you just can't like at this point in his career, Cogliano can't do that reliably. Yeah. You know, a good example, you know, that we saw that confer the J the 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 pass that JT confer made to him the other day in front of the net that, that has he, to be a goal that's man a goal. yeah 
Got that has be. to be a goal. It's a great save by Varley, but Cogliano has to finish that. Yep. And uh, Cogliano five years ago would have finished that. But I also think with LOC, you're looking at what's happening with him on the ice is uh, basically nothing he, bad. He, his defensive side is elite. Yeah, he, they're giving up nothing with him on the ice. It's been immaculate to start the season, and he's one of their most reliable players in that every game you are comfortable that what you're getting out of him, you're going to get some speed, you're going to get some physicality. And if you're lucky, you get a little bit of offense to boot. You know, he'll he'll create a little havoc and he'll put a he'll put some panic into some poor defenseman when he blocks a shot and he goes racing down the ice and you know, botches another breakaway when he tries to go to his fucking backhand. But he created the breakaway in the first place, right? Like that's a scoring opportunity that he took from one end to the other. And that's, like, I, I do want, like, talking about positives here, I do feel like LLC has had the kind of, for a million dollars? Yeah. Girl, please. Megan, any players to add? No. I think okay. Erod and LLC are good. Okay. Well, we are brought to you by Hassle Cattle Company. The Avs might need some meat in the middle of their lineup. You need some meat at home. So go hit up HassleCattleCompany.com to get some delicious Wagyu beef. You can get the burgers, you can get the sausages, you can get other meats as well, things like tomahawk steaks, all of the meat that you can imagine. Go check them out. They're a Texas family farm that delivers straight to your door. So everyone loves them, genuinely. Everyone we've had get Wagyu beef from them is like, this is actually the most delicious meat I've ever had. So head to HassleCattleCompany.com to get your bag of beef today and use code DNVR20 to get 20% off your entire purchase. And, of course, we're also brought to you by Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. The Broncos actually won a football game, so maybe check out the Broncos country beer. Uh, it can yeah. happen. They uh, won a game and then traded Bradley Chubb. <laughs> so, cool. At least they won, all right? I don't they have did. to listen to another week of Broncos fans being upset about losing. Now they're just upset about winning. Yeah, it's, it's less. there's less vitriol, though, all right? I, I don't need another week of the entire city being mad about high knees. Man, we need to make a separate Goatee Award for dumbest sports story of the year, just so we can vote for that. High knees. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, check out Breckenridge Brewery. Maybe it'll make you forget about high knees or something. I don't know. Use their local beer locator online at breckbrew.com. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. You thought we were going to get through a whole show without talking about prospects. Wrong. Not on my watch. <laughs> gonna gonna give the floor over to Megan to talk about the Eagles who have been starting good. Look, you already know I'm a fan of John Luke Foodie this year. Kid's been popping off. Actually, too, I missed the pod because it was the next day and I was doing the wedding thing, so I didn't get to hear how you guys talked about John Luke Foodie. I'm just I... curious what you think of him, but I know what I, I think of him. I mean, I I don't even remember what we said to be honest, but I I really love his game this year. I if more than anything, I'm glad to see a prospect breaking out. Glad could have been anyone, but happy that it's Foodie. Um, the reality of the Avs lineup is he's just not really going to have a spot this year. But a quality year from any prospect 
should set them up to at least compete for a roster spot next year. And is Foodie a perfect player? No, he's going to need to work on getting to the dangerous areas a little bit more, getting off that perimeter. But one, his goal scoring is happening, which we haven't seen enough from from him. It really started last playoffs, but last year he just wasn't a big goal scorer in the regular season. And two, he looks incredibly comfortable with the puck. So a lot of confidence there from me. That uh, comfortability with the puck, too, is there's things, there's habits they're trying to break out of Foodie. And one is because he is such an elite skater, he is a strong puck carrier. You definitely notice him when he has the puck because he can usually hold on to it for prolonged periods by just evading skaters. But then it's just the decisions he makes sometimes once he has the puck on his stick is where you want to break Foodie from those habits a little bit. Um, and I like it. Get him outside of the perimeter. I think this is something I actively see him working on, too. At getting into the inside ice and I also think that you're spot on in having a hard time envisioning what he could bring to the Avs lineup in this year uh, I struggle with that too and I think that's just the missing piece for Foodie to really focus on this year because he's hitting his goals too we talk about someone like your gift he's teachable Foodie is the ultimate definition of teachable he just really has a lot of instruction that he needs but he'll listen to it and one thing he had as a personal goal from last year was to be a half point per game player and he exceeded that in the playoffs last year specifically and he's starting off the year strong staying true to that and he has similar opportunity to what he had at the end of last year too and he's sustaining it which i think is a testament to some of the growth that's happening maturity that's building in foodie um, and so this next year i really want to see him solidify an identity as a player it's not it sounds bad to say that he doesn't have an identity, but I think he just needs to lean into being a little bit more of a role player in, in one way or another. Um, and some of that is really specializing on the power play, which is a strength of his, but you know, it, it's something I think he could lean into. And then the defensive side of his game and just being a little bit more reliable there so that someone like Cronin trusts him uh, a little bit more throughout the course of the game. But otherwise he's starting off the year exceeding expectation in ways but exactly where i'd like him to be too so i'm really excited to see the direction he takes because he took a big step forward last year i want to tread lightly on this next player because i wanted this show to be a positive show and if nothing else he started out the season very positively six points in seven games is there any hope for shane bowers in this organization Yes, it's good. Man, I want to be careful about how I choose my words. I think there is hope. Um, I worry about how much, too, of that hope is coming from a place of wanting to placate the optics of not giving Shane Bowers his chance this year. Because he did have a good camp. Bednar spoke so highly of him outside of camp. But it was also understood that he would not be making the abs roster at the beginning of this season. It was just understood that was not going to be the case, but it would look so bad for optics if we hear all these positives from camp. He has a pretty strong start to his season with the Eagles, and we don't see an NHL debut at some point, especially if there is something that comes up with injuries. But the one thing I will say that that's just difficult is who they would call up ahead of Bowers, and it's still someone like a Cout and 
a Charles Houdon. I, it's really hard to like foodie has entered this conversation in a, a little bit of a weird way um, that makes it challenging. But I, I just think it'd be so bad for optics for us not to see Bowers get his chance. And I want to give Bowers some credit too for how he has started this season because something that was a challenge for him was being visible in a bottom six, middle six role last year. And he has been moved throughout the Eagles lineup already. Honestly, with the introduction of Ben Myers down in Loveland, it has kind of shifted the forward group a little bit. And so we're seeing Sam Baranta, Bocage, and Bowers kind of in this middle bottom six role at points. And Bowers is still finding the production, which is something he struggled to do last year. So if he can continue to do that, because he gets top power play minutes too, if he can continue to be visible, no matter where he's placed in the lineup, he'll make a really strong case for himself because that's sort of what you would expect to see if he was called up to the abs. He's not going to get top middle six minutes. It's going to be somewhere in the bottom. And if he can continue to be visible and as loud of a player as he is now, then I think there's hope for Bowers, but it's a, it's a weird, he's in a weird spot. Weird spot, but at least he's playing well, if nothing else. Uh, anyone else you want to, you want to touch on me and totally, you take it away if you want it. I guess I always, I, it's weird. I love the goaltenders, but I always forget to mention them in these conversations. And I have not had any personal issue with the way Eustace has started the season. He had an excellent game against Calgary in the first game of that series, um, where I thought he looked so solid. There's been some shakier games too, but honestly, there have been some games where the Eagles as a whole just didn't play very well. So I'm still high on Eustace and I'm excited to see how the rest of the season plays out for him. I think JoJo as the backup in Loveland and having them split series like this too has benefited Eustace in a lot of ways um, that I still think he will be able to find a rhythm. I still think he's the true starter. I think it takes just a little bit of pressure off. I think there's a lot of trust in JoJo and JoJo has also looked pretty strong in net. So I'm just excited to see what comes next for Eustace too. And I'm glad he's in Finland. Okay. Love it. If you guys haven't checked it out yet, go read Megan's piece on Kevin McDonald, the new GM of the Eagles, essentially the AGM of the Avs. Uh, really interesting very, very piece. Good. Yep. Some insight on how the, the organization is getting run a little bit, talking about some of those, those call-ups and things like that. So if you haven't checked that one out, go do it. Uh, we are going to get out of here for today, though. We appreciate all y'all hanging out. We will be back tomorrow and Thursday um, with our usual time. Yeah, doing shows, getting hyped for this Finland stuff. Keep an eye out for a bunch of work from Jesse as well. Doing shows. Doing shows. That's how well it works. <laughs> we out here, fam. Doing shows. <laughs> We're doing it live. Let's go. Uh, we appreciate all y'all again, and at least for today, we'll talk to you later.